whether in, by life or death, for to me to live in, is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. How many of us would feel that sometimes? Which is better by far, right? We know it is better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, convinced of this. I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And so the one thing I really love about Paul, one of many things, is that he knows how to cut through the stuff, right? He knows how to cut through all the other junk and get to the point, right? I love that about Paul. You'll, you'll learn that about me. I love to cut through the stuff too. Um, he has the uncanny skill of moving past the distractions to get to the very heart of Christ. And again, as he's in prison awaiting release, he brings this young church in Philippi back to the main thing. Verse 18 says, But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. In the midst of this moment, there are lots of distractions for this church in Philippi. There's obviously a distraction of prison, right? That's a pretty large distraction. There's a distraction of leaders who are selfish. There's a distraction of troublemakers, right? There's a distraction of liars. There are always distractions in life. There are always reasons why we can't go do whatever it is that God is calling us to do, right? Wouldn't we say that? There are always these obstacles, these things that, man, these things that get in the way of life, right? That's a guarantee on this side of heaven that there are going to be distractions. There are going to be hard times, right? We live in a broken world, and it's not getting any more put together, right? Humpty Dumpty fell down and fell off the wall, and he can't be put together again, right? The world cannot be put back together again. But we need to be reminded, as Paul does here, to return to our true mission, the good news of Christ being shared, right? He says even more to not worry about the troublemakers, those with selfish ambition and those who are bending the truth for their own gain. He says, just let Christ be preached, right? Doesn't that kind of go against all the things that we in the church talk about? Well, this preacher doesn't talk enough about this, and this guy doesn't talk about enough about that. And this lady doesn't talk enough about da, 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 you know? I don't like them because they, you know, share this thing. And Paul says, who cares? Preach the gospel. Even if their ambitions are not right, who cares? Right? We spend so much time talking about this preacher and that preacher and this evangelist and that evangelist and what they say or don't say. Who cares? Let the gospel be preached and let the truth of Jesus go forth. Whether that person stands before Jesus and has to answer for the things that they have to answer for, that's not on me. Let the gospel be preached, right? And I'll just tell you this right now, not in my notes. There are things that maybe I'm going to preach you don't like. And maybe there's going to be things you want me to preach I'm not going to say. And that's just how it is. Who cares? Let Jesus be preached, right? You can tell I'm not excited at all about this. Had two weeks to prepare for this. I love that Paul is just about the main thing, right? Just let the gospel be preached. And this is a reminder 
We talked about this in Sunday school this morning, that God can use anybody. Anybody. Motive's good, motive's bad, smart, not smart, knows this, knows that, read the Bible, all that stuff. God can use anybody, right? We talked about this morning in Sunday school that some of the greatest evangelists in the church are those who have just gotten saved because they don't know any better, right? Jesus has rescued them and their life is transformed and all they want to do is tell everybody about it, right? Where the rest of us are just like, well, you know, I want to make sure I say the right things or oh, I don't want to get this out of line. Or It's like, just let Jesus be preached and let the chips fall where they may, right? Their motives don't even have to be right for people to get saved. How crazy is that? I hope your motives are right and I believe that they are. But our God is bigger and greater and more transformative than even our bad human intentions, right? But for those of us who truly come with good motives, which I believe that of of us this morning, how can we stay focused? How do we stay attentive to the calling of God upon our lives, right? And all the distractions, all the things that go on around us, how do we do that? And practical Paul, I'm going to call him this morning, I think gives us six of those things that we can do. Number one, I'm going to start with a hard one. Leave fear behind, right? Let's just, we, we, we should have eased up, right? I should have started with something easier and then kind of worked my way up. That's how you're supposed to preach, I think. You know, go to preacher school and that's what they tell you to do. But we're going to start with the hard one. You see, fear is the opposite of faith, right? Fear will keep you bottled up. Fear will keep you shut up. Fear will cripple you. And the enemy wants us crippled. He wants us taken out at our knees so we can't do what we're supposed to do. But God wants us free. Philippians 1.14 says, Become confident in the Lord, right? Not in our own strength. It doesn't come from me. I don't muster up my confidence. I don't muster up my faith. I allow the Lord to gird me up in confidence, right? To lift me up in confidence. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We must lean into the love that we find in Jesus, and then the fear will disappear, right? God will push that out of the way. Let's lean into Jesus and leave behind fear. Number two, remember that it's all about love, right? Philippians 1.16 says, The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am here, for the defense of the gospel. It's all about love. Jesus rescued us with his love. We share the gospel out of love. We don't share out of hatred. We don't share because we say that people, you're bad and you need to da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? If you're sharing the gospel out of hatred or condemnation or out of self-righteousness, you got to stop. The world doesn't need those things. And I'm telling you right now, they will not respond to those things but they will respond to the love of Jesus because that's what Paul shows us, right? Our culture is desperate for love. They're finding in all the weirdest, wrongest, craziest places, but they are desperate for the love that only comes from Jesus and they don't even know it, right? Why do you think there's all these crazy love things and all this wild, you know, nothing new under the sun type things? Because they're looking for love and no one has showed them Jesus right? Love is the central fixture in the gospel. 
you know that we're not better than people, right? Do you know that when you leave this space as Christians, we're not better than anybody else? And so we don't preach a gospel out of being better. We're not any gooder than anyone else. We don't get better. You know that, right? That's what Scripture says. We don't get better, right? Jesus changes us. Jesus restores us. Whatever good is in us has nothing to do with you or me. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. It all has to do with Jesus. Any love that exudes from our life has to come from Jesus. It doesn't come from any other place. We're not good, right? We love others into relationship with Jesus because he first loved us, right? One of the greatest scripture talks about it, I'm not going to share it this morning, but talks about sharing your testimony, right? The, the most powerful thing you can share with somebody is the testimony of how Jesus rescued you, right? That moment when that love came in and that spark was lit in your heart and then it burst into flames, right? This, this passion for God's name. If you don't know anything about anything about the Bible, that's okay. You should learn. I, you should come to Sunday school on Wednesday night and learn all those things. I'm not saying you shouldn't learn, but share your testimony, God did this, this, and this for me, and this is how my life changed. That's all you need to do. Share your testimony. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10 says this, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness and sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Aren't you glad that he lavished his love on us? With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all in heaven and on earth under Christ. In love, he welcomed us as sons and daughters, right? He brought us in, in love, because of the blood that he shed on the cross. You know, he didn't have to do that for us. He could have just started over, right? He could have just washed the whole slate clean. Adam and Eve, you did, you know, all these things. He could have just started over and, Picked a new humanity, right? But he didn't. He sent Jesus, one and only son, out of his great and vast love for us to lay down his life so that we might have eternal connection and relationship with him. What is a greater act of love than that, right? All right, number three. Take joy. This is the joy book after all. Verse 18 says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Do you know that being a follower of Jesus should bring us joy? You should have some fun, right? This should be pleasurable to follow Jesus, right? Sometimes, you know, as a pastor, you believe it or not, you go through things, and sometimes you're like, okay, God, I'm going through the middle of this thing. And you're like, where's the joy, you know? And you pray for that joy to come in, that excitement, that passion to come back, right? But in the middle of our work, we should have joy in Christ because being an instrument of Jesus brings us joy, Right? When we do the things for the Lord, when we follow Jesus, when we serve Jesus, it brings us joy. Being focused on the main thing about the main thing brings us joy. I was sitting with Bob uh, Oliver a couple weeks ago at Starbucks, and um, 
we were just talking, and we're having the same conversation we're having this morning, basically. And uh, Bob just was telling me these stories of all these people he's sat with in his living room or at an open house, believe it or not, uh, selling a house, and these people he's led to the Lord. And you could see the smile on his face because the joy of what it means to serve Jesus and to see people be brought into the kingdom of God, that's joyful. We should celebrate, right? We should be pumped, right? When we do baptisms, that's amazing. That's somebody who was dead and now is alive, right? Shouldn't that bring us joy? It's okay to smile in church. It's okay to laugh in church, right? It's okay to have joy in church, right? It's exciting. There was a guy at fall conference that we just went to with a few of our team, and he had this long hair. Oh my gosh, this beautiful long hair he had, and he could sing like the voice of an angel. It was like, I thought Phil Wickham had one of the best voices I've ever heard. I was like, this guy like makes Phil Wickham look like me, right? And so, but he's like dancing all over the stage and just joy on his face, right? There's not a lot of room to dance up here, but you know what I mean. We should have joy as we're worshiping the Lord. We should have joy as we're serving the Lord, right? Psalm 1611 says, you will fill me with joy in your presence, right? As we get into the presence of God, as we serve Jesus, right, we have joy. When we follow the leading of Christ, we are in his presence, right? And we have joy in that. My mom used to say, being in the center of God's will isn't easy, but it's the best place to be, right? So even when the things are swirling around you, you can have joy because you know that you're serving Jesus, right? Number four, be bold. Paul says in verses 19 and 20, we will have sufficient courage. Courage, that's a good word. 1 John 2, 28 says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Do you know that the Lord, as we serve him, he gives you boldness? He gives it to you. Usually not ahead of time. I wish God was ahead of time kind of person, right? I'm going to go, you know, do this, and God's going to give me. No, usually it's I step out into whatever that hard thing is, and then God supplies just enough courage for that moment, right? Again, I wish he was like, he would give it to me ahead of time. And I remember we would take teams over to San Francisco, and we would do these day-long mission trips, and we would do things all over the city and stuff. And we would go to Haight-Ashbury, which is known for like, weed and the hippie thing, and it's wild down there. I mean, just, just, just absurd. I mean, the things you see there are like, oh my gosh, this is what hell feels like, I think. So, um, but you would go, and we would go out, and we would do street ministry, and there were people from all over the world. They would speak all these different languages, and they would come to this place because they knew that Hayton Ashbury was about something, right? They wanted to go check it out, right? Jimi Hendrix had an apartment in this particular building, right? These different things that happened there. And I remember being so stretched, right? I'm an introvert by nature, if you could believe that. And it's not natural for me to go up to somebody on the street and talk to them about Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? You guys ever feel that way? It's not totally natural for you. But I remember being in those moments where God would just give me courage, right? And I would share Jesus. And it was helpful to have a six foot six uh, African-American former football player uh, that was in the NFL <laughs> who was with me named Frank, that was definitely helpful. Um, but the Lord would give me courage in those moments, and you would see these amazing moves of the Holy Spirit. As I would step out, God would meet me in that space, right? And he would supply me with courage, right? And I believe that he's going to do that for us. Um, 
In my flesh, as all of us, I think, I was scared. But in Christ, I have boldness, right? To go where I need to go and say what I need to say and do what I need to do. As we step out, the Lord will supply us with courage, right? Number five, know that the fruit is coming. Paul says in verse 22, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, right? We have fruit ahead for us. The best seasons of our life and the best seasons of our church, they're not behind us. They're ahead of us. And that doesn't disparage anything that came behind us, but the Lord has fruit that he is preparing for us. There is something he is stirring. You can feel it. You come on Sundays and Wednesdays, you can feel the Holy Spirit is doing something in this place and with these people. And it doesn't have to do with this building because the church is not a building. You know that, right? The church is not a building. It's a people. But God is doing something here. And our best season of fruitfulness is ahead. And Paul believed that if he was going to stay in the body, that he wasn't just going to stay here to suffer in chains, but that God was going to produce fruit through his life. That there was going to be people who were going to come to know Jesus through his life, right? And that's our belief too, that if we're still here, we're still breathing, we got stuff to do, Right? Um, fine, i got to find my notes here. When God sends us out, he will produce fruit. My father-in-law loves to say, and I'll, I'll mention this probably a million times as in the years that we're here, we don't save anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job, right? We're not the Savior. Jesus is. We're not even the message. Jesus is. We're simply the messengers, and Jesus will produce the fruit, Right? He alone can rescue every human heart. The most wicked people we think of on planet Earth, you know that Jesus can rescue them, right? You know that he can reach into their lives. I knew people that were praying at the time for Osama bin Laden to come to know Jesus. Do you know that when he was here on planet Earth, that Jesus could rescue him? That there is no soul too far for Jesus. You think of the most wicked people on planet Earth, and Jesus wants to reach them. The fruit is coming. He alone can be the love that we need. He alone can bring transformation. We are just the mouthpiece of Christ. He produces the true salvation. And do you know that the message that we preach is still as compelling as ever? You know that the gospel hasn't gotten any weaker. Jesus hasn't gotten any weaker. It's not like he's been on vacation, right? It's not like he just leaves us to our own devices, Right? The message of the gospel is as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked to this planet. Just as powerful. The word has not lost its goodness. Love has not grown weaker. It is as strong as ever, and he can and will produce lasting fruit if we stay focused on the main thing. Right? Number six, the Holy Spirit will move. This is obviously connected with number five. Paul says in verse 26 that Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Don't you want that to be said of you? That the Holy Spirit will abound on account of me? Like, I just imagine that as like a, like, I think of it as like a spring, right? That, that comes up out of the water. I mean, up out of the ground, right? This, this water that flows, it abounds out of me. It just springs. It wells up out of my soul that as I spend time with Jesus and as Jesus spends time with me, that there's this spring of life that just abounds from me, right? Not from me, not because of me, but through me, right? And as we move forward with Christ, the Spirit is going to move exponentially, you know that God doesn't have limits, 
right? That if God had a bank account, it would be infinite, right? Sometimes we see temporally. We see, okay, I have, you know, maybe if you run a business, I have X amount of guys and I have X amount of people that, you know, money in the bank and I have these jobs that are lined up, right? We think of it as a finite thing. God is infinite. He owns the, th- the cattle on a thousand hills. There is no limit to God, right? He has all the resource. He has all the people. He has all the message. He has all the everything that we're going to need to serve him and follow him and to be led by his spirit, right? It isn't about what I can say or do. It's about what the spirit can do. In our humanity, there's no chance, not one, not one chance. we got no chance. There's no way out in our humanity, but with Christ, all things are possible, And we're called to allow the Holy Spirit to just use us as his vessels, right? And so one of the things that we believe about the church, one of the things that I think is scriptural, is the church is not a lake. It's a river, right? We don't come to just let all the good things pool up here at 510 Bernie Street, right, and sit here, and we're sitting on our boat, we're eating our sandwich, and we just got our little poles in the water. We're just chilling, hanging out, you know, enjoying Oh, the sunshine feels so good, and man, this is a great day. This is so easy, right? No, the church is a river. God pours in, and it goes out, right? And it's constantly moving. You know what happens in a lake? It gets stagnant, and it smells, right? Go to Woodward Reservoir in the middle of summer when it's 110 degrees outside, and you can smell what a river, I mean, what a lake smells like, right? It's stagnant. No, God has called us to be a river. So we receive from the Lord and we give it out. If we don't give it out, we get fat. And God doesn't want fat Christians. God wants skinny Christians. He wants us to be able to receive and give it out. Receive and give it out. Receive and give it out. We're a river. It flows through us. Galatians 2.20, one of my wife's favorite verses in, in the whole Bible. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I know, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and have had himself for me. I no longer live. Not me, Christ, who lives in me, right? I love that. The whole thing is relying on Christ. That takes a little pressure off, right? I don't have to have it all right. I don't have to say all the right things. I don't have to do all the right things. I don't have to be perfect because it's on him. He's got to do it, right? It's by his infinite nature that he has to do it. What really matters is all on the movement of the Holy Spirit. He has to do the transformational work, and he will. We've seen him do it. You're here because he did it in you, right? We've seen God move. We saw God move this morning in worship. We've seen God move in so many ways, and he wants to do it again, right? He's still on the move. He's done it in you and the lives of many people that you love, and he can do it again. And I think our culture is ripe for the gospel. I think people are desperate for Jesus. They're desperate for an encounter with the living God. They're not desperate for necessarily our theology, They're not desperate for our uh, apologetics, necessarily. They're not desperate for all the things that we know, necessarily, even about the Bible, but they're desperate for an encounter with the living God, right? The same way that we were. They're desperate for an encounter with Jesus. It doesn't mean those things are not important, but Chuck said it this morning. He said, 
something to the effect of, we're not going to scare the tarnations out of people into the kingdom of God. That's not usually how God works. It doesn't usually stick, right? But we're going to love them into the kingdom of God. I think that there's a great opportunity to see the next great awakening of salvation, but we have to be laser focused on what really, really matters. The main thing about the main thing, which is the gospel. Don't get turned to the right or to the left, right? I'm going to have the worship team come on back up. And I want to go back over those six points very briefly about how we can focus in on the main thing. Number one is leave fear behind, right? Walk in faith that the Lord supplies. Number two, remember that this thing is all about love, right? Love is the central figure in the gospel, Number three, take joy. When we serve the Lord, we should have joy. It should show all over us. If we're Christians that go around with a sourpuss face on all the time, nobody's going to want to be like us, right? And I, don't, I think Jesus, this is extra biblical, I think, but I think Jesus in the gospel, I think he was walking around with the biggest smile on his face all the time because he had joy, right? Let us be a people of joy. Number four, be bold, right? Step out and believe that the Lord will give us boldness. Number five, know that the fruit is coming, right? The Lord is not going to leave us hanging. If we stick our neck out there, he's going to do something. I believe it. And number six, let the Holy Spirit move, right? As we do these things, I believe that the Lord will do great things in our midst. He will see, we will see our children turn back to Jesus. We will see our cities changed. We will see our young and old raised up and sent out to do the work of the gospel, we will see Jesus like we've never seen him before. This morning, I think there are two things I want to leave us with. Maybe you're sitting here and you've never met Jesus. You've never welcomed him into your heart. You've never welcomed him into your life. Today's the day. He wants to bring you into the family of God and he wants to give you joy. He wants to bring salvation. He wants to bring eternal life so that when you know that you leave this place, not only are you going to heaven, as amazing as that going to be, but you have the living God who lives inside of you. And he loves you and cares for you. Today's the day. And maybe this morning you feel, you know the Lord, but you feel weak, right? You look at yourself and you're like, well, I can't do that. I don't have that. I don't have what it takes. But the Lord wants to make you strong this morning. He wants to gird you up. He wants to strengthen you. It's like Moses, right? He had the, the people on his right and his left that held, held his arms up in the battle, right? The Lord wants to do that for you this morning. Would you stand with me? And just close your eyes for a minute. If there's anyone this morning who hasn't met the Savior but wants to meet him this morning, I just ask that you would lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody never allowed the Lord into their lives this morning want to do that? Anybody this morning that feels just weak in the flesh, they just feel weak. They feel like they can't do, it's hard to even get out of bed, let alone go share the gospel of Jesus. The Lord wants to strengthen you. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. If you're just feeling weak and tired and alone and all those things and you just want the strength of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for the soft hearts this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit that is active and alive in us. God, you are not a God that is dead. You are alive. 
Lord, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill us right now to overflowing, not so that we become a lake, not so that we become fat Christians, God, but so that we would allow the Holy Spirit to flow through our lives into those around us, starting with our families and our neighbors and those we work with and those we meet at the grocery store and the coffee shop, God, that people would say about us that we are the most joyful people that they know because we know Jesus. Let your joy flow through our lives in every way, God, and let us see fruit and fruit that remains. Lord, give us opportunities to share the gospel with those around us and let us see great fruit and growth, God, because of what you can do, not because of us, but because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this last song and...